name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland podcast. If you are in the food allergy world, you probably know my next guest or are probably a member of one of her groups. Her name is Lisa Rudder. She is the Director of Support Group Development with FACT and the founder of NNMG, Food Allergic Families, which provides online social media type support groups for food allergic families. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was excited when I got the yeah. the email to do it. I can't believe we haven't had you on sooner. I am uh, I am thrilled to talk about this. Uh, as you know, I have food allergies, but my kids don't, and so I I don't I don't have the food allergic mom support group thing. But I am a member of quite a few uh, groups online, including yours. Uh, so tell me how you got it all started. Tell like start from the very very beginning, like the day you found out your kiddo had allergies. Okay. Well, um, when he was first diagnosed, we had just transferred back to Michigan from Illinois because my husband was Illinois for a job transfer. And when the doctor told us um, that he was allergic to tree nuts and peanuts, it was very scary because. I didn't know anything about food allergies. It just was not on my radar at all. My husband and I, I mean, we ate nuts, peanuts all the time. Um, had he had a reaction? He did have reactions, but they were always dismissed as it's a bug bite because his eyes would swell up. I, you know, I would hold him down and put water in his eyes, thinking something's in his eye. Not knowing it's, it was just from like the residue off our hands. He wasn't oh eating gosh. it. He never yeah. liked it. Um, the times that he did take little licks, I mean, he was just like, ugh. And he'd get rashes. Now everything makes sense to me. But at the time when he was diagnosed, it was just, it was a shock to me. I didn't even know what an EpiPen was. It was just so new. So um, from that moment on, it was just a whole new world for us. And, um, I was scared. I was crying when I left the allergist office. Yeah. I felt like, um, I just, I didn't know what to do. I really, I was lost. And then that's when I started, um, searching for support groups. And I did find an adult support group called faces of Michigan that I ended up joining up with and becoming a, you know, a partner with them. They're not in existence any longer, but and it was wonderful, but it was just for adults. And I really was searching for something um, more. I wanted something that my kid could be part of too, because I was going to these play groups and I just felt alone and I felt uncomfortable saying, can you not eat that around my three-year-old? It, the whole thing was just very uncomfortable. And I was making new friends too. It wasn't like these were my friends that I grew up with that I knew because um, we're from Ohio. So I'm joining these moms groups, but they're not food allergy moms groups. So I started digging and searching and there was nothing out there. So that's when I was like, hey, I'm gonna start a group. So I just started on meetup.com first. And then I, I was so excited when I had one member in Michigan. <laughs> I just started Michigan. It was started out No Nuts Moms Group of Michigan. And then it just evolved from there. Wow. So you started off in person, not out on social media. Yeah, we were doing um, meetup.com. And I think the first thing we did, we met up at the Detroit Zoo. And I was so excited. 
I was like, oh my gosh, I know one person, one other person with a kid with food allergies. And it was, it was great. So really it was mostly um, in-person play dates. That's what I originally started at this. Wow. Well, so there were so much to unpack in the things that you were just saying, like, first of all, that the reactions were dismissed. So frustrating, right? Like the, the amount of, the amount of times I've heard people tell me stories about it and have happened to me where doctors will either not diagnose it correctly or not believe what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so frustrating, the, the misinformation and the miss, um, I don't know, missed training. Maybe that's what I'm looking for in the, in the medical community, but I'm glad that that diagnosis happened out there and the, the inability to really be able to connect with non-food allergic people. I have, hopefully they're not going to listen to this. I have five of my college roommates coming in town this weekend. And I have been debating for the last couple of days. Do I tell them, please don't bring like for your plain snacks on the way here, like don't bring nut stuff. Don't like, don't enter my house with some trail mix up in your backpack. I mean, these are girls I've known for 25 years and I still have that trepidation about saying it out loud, you know? Yeah, it's hard. It is hard, like to try to regulate what other people are having. Mm -hmm. And yet I know if I said it, I I know like in in the bottom of my soul that they'd be like, obviously we're not bringing that, right? But it's really a challenging look at like I'm like tearing up even thinking about it right like so for new mom play groups I can only imagine the reactions that you got it was horrible and you know I'm try I was trying to make friends and I don't know it was just it was just it was terrible I was like I I was like, I can't go to these play dates anymore. I cannot hang out with these ladies anymore. They don't understand. They're looking at me like I have like antennas coming out of my head. It was just so uncomfortable. And I'm at the same time trying to navigate this new world too that I'm not used to. And then trying to explain it to family members. It was just, it was a lot. So um, that was one of the reasons why I started it because I wanted to have a place to go and not worry and also so, make friends for myself, not just my child. I yeah. needed friends. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to make friends as an adult. I know. I know. Especially when you bring restrictions with you. Right? I know. I know. Well, I, I hear you. So then how did it evolve from there? So then, um, we started getting members and, um, I remember talking to someone and they were like, if you put it on Facebook, I think you'll get more, more people. And I was fairly new to Facebook at that time, maybe a couple years in. Um, and I thought, okay, sure. Maybe I'll try it because, um, I think I had to pay for meetup and I wanted it to be free to everyone. So I was paying to keep that going. And really we didn't have a ton of members at the time. So I ended up closing it down and then starting a group in on Facebook. And then that's when it like, it just took off like wildfire. Like there were people reaching out from different states saying, I want one of these groups. So that's when it evolved, not just Michigan. So it was pretty amazing to see how many people really needed that support and wanted play dates for their kids. And it was nice. 
so how many people are involved in the groups that you run now? Oh, wow. We have, oh my gosh, we have so many people. We have over a hundred groups. Um, wow. Canada, we have a couple, we have one in Australia, we have one in the UK, um, and then all through the United States. And then we also have just an online forum. And that right there has, oh, I can't even think right now, like six or seven administrators running that group. Um, just because there's, it's just always going all day long. I can't keep up with it on my own. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's how, constantly. how does that work? I, I was, I was a part of a, like a fitness kind of group and somehow managed to find myself in the position of administrator or moderator or whatever. And it, t- it was like two days before I quit. I was like, no, this is not yeah. something that I can handle. So, I mean, I haven't even like ever dipped my toe into that. And I'm sure most people haven't. How does, how does the moderating go? It, it's a, I would say if you're the leader to the one group, it's fine. It's really not that big of a deal. Um, you just accept requests that come in. We add questions to it to make it easier. Um, and then now you can flag, like people can flag it for complaints and then we review it. Um, I get a little overwhelmed just because I, when I start the groups, I'm also in each group. So let's say someone reach out to me in Alabama. They want a group. I will oh. set it up for them. And then now I will you're in stay groups. in there and be the leader. So I'm also an admin for all those groups too. Even though I turn off all my notifications and I expect that local leader to take the lead, but occasionally we will have like someone, life happens and they don't always tell me they're going to step away. Um, so I do have to like periodically go through the groups and just make sure requests are being approved and we don't have a group leader that goes MIA on me. So it is a lot of work. So that's why in the form, it's nice that I'm not like the only one in there because that group is just very active. The local groups, not so much, but the forum is 24 seven. So given that it's kind of a medical topic, I mean, it is a medical topic, although I'm sure a lot of the questions that come up are not, you know, medically related. Um, And I guess the question applies to all the topics, not just, but specifically on the medical stuff. How do you handle misinformation when people answer questions in a way that you just kind of know is not good advice? It was really hard to police every single thing in the form specifically. Um, So we really do rely on people to report things like that. We don't like people asking medical advice on the form at all. So we do have a lot of rules mapped out and I try to like periodically remind people and post the rules. And I've told everybody, I don't want you policing it because we we all have lives, but I don't want people going on there and getting medical advice. I So usually when that happens, um, all the members are really good about flagging um, and reporting it. And then usually we will delete it and then we'll privately message them and say, unfortunately, this is a medical question for a board certified allergist. And this isn't the place. I mean, you can ask for opinions, but you have to be really careful. Yeah, I mean, I would think there's a lot of... T- questions around testing and OIT Mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And 
I mean, I know I've seen a lot of misinformation out there and I, I just, I just bite my tongue because mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, right? Like, yes, but dude, the stuff that gets out there. I know. Yeah. It gets a little, it, that can be a lot, that can be a challenge. So, um, so the best I can do is just try to remind people with the, you know, the list of rules that we have, you know, we're not doctors, we're not giving you medical advice, we're here for support. And if you want to come here and vent to us. Um, But sometimes it can get a little personal and people forget, you know, some of these people are new, and they'll be like, how could you do this, you know, judgmental. So even that kind of stuff, I feel like I have to step in and be like, listen, do you remember what it was like? when you were first diagnosed, none of us are perfect. This is here for a support group. Um, None of us are experts. So it can get a little challenging. Yeah, no doubt. Any, any kind of fun, epic stories coming out of those things where you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe these people (laughs) without naming any names, obviously. There really have been, there's been, there's been a lot. Like I, there's been so much that I really cannot even like pinpoint (laughs) one example. Um, It's a lot. I mean, and it's a lot of women with very strong personalities and and mama bears. Yeah parents and yeah so it definitely you can't I don't think anyone can just be an admin you have to go in there and be able to be on both sides of it I've had admins that are just they take everything people say a little too personal and then that becomes an issue to me because then I have to deal with that too on the side Um, And that's challenging as well. So you really have to be a kind of person that is right in the middle. If you're going to be running a support group, Mm. it's very, it's very challenging, but yes, I've, we've had lots of, um, lots of different situations that have been drama, but you probably need a support group for support group admins. Yes. (laughs) Well, we do actually (laughs) stop. You do not. Um, well, I have a separate group for all the leaders on Facebook. <laughs> you do? Yes. And then Facts has um, a separate Facebook group just for Facts support group leaders. That's amazing. And so- I, I know FAIR does that too. So it's a place where we can just go and ask questions. How do you deal with this member? things like that. So it's nice. Yeah. It is the support group for us. So does anybody get like blacklisted girl? Do not let these people in your group. Is there it, like a that has actually, that has happened before people have been blocked and banned from groups. Yes. Well, yeah. But like, then do you go tell all the other admins about it? Don't let this person in. <laughs> no, I haven't really seen that, but we have done that. And <laughs> we have done that in the, um, NMMG groups. We have done that. I bet. I bet. All right. So let's talk about fact. So you are the director of support group development. What does that mean? Tell, tell. Well, my responsibility is to build up um, support groups and then I manage the database. So um, when someone wants to become fact recognized, then I, um, I take their application. I a put group, it you into mean like a, a support group? Yep. 
Okay. Yep. So they want to become fact recognized. Um, there's certain criteria they have to get, and then they have to get a letter from a board certified allergist. So I collect all the necessary paperwork, and then I put all that in our database. And then um, I also update the website. So then so people can much. go on to FACT's website to find a group. To find them. So example, all the NMMG groups are all listed there. So what's your advice for someone looking for a group on how to find the right one for them? Um, or ones, I guess. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, when you go into the search engine, you can, you know, it's by state. Um, I guess just asking in forums would probably be the best to find the right fit for you. Um, because my group, the NMG might not necessarily be the right fit, um, for you. So I guess I would just bounce it off in different forums, different food allergy forums to get opinions on groups. What are kind of the different types of characteristics uh, besides, you know, online versus in person? Um, characteristics. Well, family um, versus adult, online yeah, versus in person. person. Like the original, the ones that, I, you know, the ones that were first out there before I started um, in NMG, um, they're a lot different. It's just for adults. And usually, you know, you're, you're in like a setting, like a library setting, for example, and sometimes they have speakers there. Um, and it's just strictly adults. And those are really good. I loved the adult support group meetings when I used to attend them, um, because you need that as well. But those, you know, they're not as common anymore because the online has kind of just taken over. So sometimes you'll go into these meetings and it'll be just like, four people, maybe two people. I wish it wasn't like that, but sadly it has turned well, into- Especially with the pandemic thing too, right? Yeah, and a lot of people are moving their support groups to Zoom meetings. So really there isn't a lot of in-person meetup and even our um, events for families, it's kind of dwindled too ever since COVID and all the online. I mean, I at least try to do two events a year um, and I used to do a lot more. We used to do meetups at the library as well. And we used to do uh, just mom's night outings. So my best advice would just be to reach out to each support group, I guess, and ask them what they offer. Because it's really hard. Everybody's so different in what they do. You've got an event coming up for Halloween. Tell me about that. Yes. So um, we used to have a Halloween party every year, but now my son is, he's 14 years old. I started this when he was three years old. I hear you. So I've got a 13-year-old. It's different. <laughs> yeah, things have changed a lot. And it's really hard. And I also have a seven-year-old little girl. And then I have another 13-year-old boy. Um, so my life is just different than when, it, than when I started. So it's definitely changed a lot. But I feel like a commitment, even though my son's not into it, anymore. Um, I still feel like I need to offer it to families. So what's the event? 
Um, we're doing a trunk or trinket. And usually we used to do Halloween parties, but now it's kind of smaller. Um, and that was because of COVID as well. So now we're outside. We do a trunk or trinket. No one passes out any food at all. Um, everyone decorates their trunks. And then we'll have like little games outside in the parking lot. And then there's a nice park there for families if they want to continue the fun. And then we also will have a table just for parents, like with samples from companies like Free Yum is sending us some stuff and uh, a couple other people are sending us some brochures and information. So that table will just be for parents to learn. And then we just gather around and talk and it's just nice to have that option. And it's safe, a safe place. And in Michigan. Yes, it is in Michigan. And then I encourage all of our other groups to, you know, try to do similar events if they can. Um, but if not, I understand the online support is just as important. Um, but if they can, it's great too. And I'm sure there are some other groups out there that are doing it as well. So the other piece of fun that you have been involved with is creating and advocating for legislation within the state of Michigan. First of all, tell us what you got passed and then kind of the process. Okay, that was very interesting. It was so cool to be part of. Um, so that's when they were doing the um, EpiPens in schools, stock epinephrine in all the schools, making it mandatory. And we we got that passed in the state of Michigan. It was so awesome. Um, I got to testify in Lansing and be part of that. And there was news and everything interviewed on the news. Um, and it wasn't just me, it was a group. It was like a grassroots effort. And it was just a great, it was a great experience. My kids were little, they were able to come see the governor and we were there when he signed the bill. It was, it was just a fantastic experience to be part of that. Um, and I'm trying to think what else we got to do. Just going to Lansing, it was just neat. It was a great experience. And then it, there were a lot of other families there too in the same situation with us. So it was just a really neat experience. How did you get involved with it? Did, was that um, outreach from you or did somebody somebody call you? You know, someone actually, there was a girl in my group at the time that started a grassroots effort. So that's how I got involved with it. And then I believe um, someone from Mylan had a rep reach out to me the pharmaceutical so then, company yeah, yeah and then they were coordinating um I think they had me working with a PR um company yeah they had me working with a PR company I forget what the name of it is now so they were helping me um get in touch with the news stations and you know get the word out there and so we were doing lots of interviews we were in the paper a lot and then they asked wow. me to testify. So it was really cool. That's awesome. How did uh, how'd the testifying actually go? Were, were there any, I mean, it's not really a topic that somebody can be like, you shouldn't do that, right? I would think it would be a relatively supportive environment. I thought it was really, I thought it was great. And I felt like all the um, lawmakers there were very supportive and on board. I mean, there was one point where I looked at them and I was like, there's no reason not to have this. I'm like, if you were having an allergic reaction, I would not think twice. 
to go up there and stab you with that. I mean, they were kind of laughing at me at the time, but um, the way I said it, but it, I it use humor well. as a defense mechanism yeah. when explaining to people too. Yeah. yeah. It went over really well. You know, they were laughing and then I remember they printed something about it in the paper. Um, but yeah, it seemed very supportive and it was good. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that it doesn't exist on every wall next to the defibrillators. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's no brainer to me. Crazy town. And not just in schools, right? The, the, did the legislation really specifically just cover schools or did it allow for other buildings? It was just schools. And then, um, a few years later I was part of, but I wasn't like the key person on that but um we were trying to get it in public venues mm-hmm. and we that did pass where they were able to but it wasn't required yeah a lot of people don't realize that many states have uh, some type of legislation like this whether it's mandatory or optional but it usually includes other p- public venues as well mm-hmm. and so yes. but people don't realize that it's possible for you know restaurants or movie theaters or whatever to have epinephrine on hand no, I agree. And, you know, during the time when we were going through it, it was very, um, it was out there in the public, in the news media, but I haven't, in years, I haven't heard much about about it now that you mention it. So yeah. I'm sure there's tons of people that don't realize they can do that. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that's crazy to me about food allergies is I mean, obviously it's a lot more out there now than it was kind of back in the day, if you will, but it's still such an unknown to people who it doesn't affect very directly, you know, mm-hmm. drives me bananas. That's why we do yes. that. That's why we're yeah. here. <laughs> yes. It's why we both do what we do. Yes. Yeah. So how does it, how does it feel? I mean, like you you do a lot of work exactly on this topic, getting it out there. How does it feel to make the impact that you make? I know that you have touched a ton of people's lives and allowed an, an environment for other people to do the same. How does that, like when you sit down at night and there's been you know, no drama and you really absorb what it is that you have put out into the world, how does that feel? I feel very proud. You're going to make me get teary-eyed because I feel like... Um, I'm in a different stage in this journey now, but just the other day I was cleaning out, um, getting stuff ready for the Halloween. And I like ran into like some photo albums of all the events that I used to do. Oh my gosh, I'm getting like teary eyed talking about it. Usually it's me who cries. So this is a welcome change. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it definitely makes me feel very proud um, to be part of it. And that I hope I have changed people's lives and I made it easier for other families that were going through the similar situations I was at the beginning, feeling alone and scared. So yeah, I feel proud. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You should. Thank you for the work that you do. On that topic of different, different situation than you were in kind of at the beginning, how does it feel to be putting a 
teenager with food allergies kind of out there, right? I, oh I ask this gosh. question a lot of food allergy moms. How do you prepare him? I have a 13 year old. He's not allergic to anything. And I have a hard enough time getting him ready to go out into the world, right? Oh my gosh. Okay. I went through, okay. Elementary was not great. Okay. Because you have all the <laughs> yeah. parties and all that. And then I went through a phase in middle school here in Michigan. Um, it's sixth, seventh and eighth. So it's like I had it. Yeah. It was awesome. No food, great. No parties. Um, it was great. But now he's a freshman in high school. And one of the first electives that he wanted to take was the foods class. And I was like, seriously, Evan, can we not? That's his name. Can we not? <laughs> can we not do that? And he's like, I really want to. And then I'm like, well, I can't hold him back because that's my thing. Don't let food allergies hold you back. You know, that's the big thing we always say. Don't let it hold you back. Don't let it define you. Be prepared, not scared. You know, all this stuff. Oh, I love that. Be prepared, Be prepared not, scared. not scared. Now we have a title for this episode. <sighs> yes. So I let him do it. Um, and it's been challenging, but thankfully, I have a 504 plan, and this is why I tell everyone that they need a 504 plan, even though they say, oh, it's fine. You don't need a 504 plan. Our school has a great food allergy policy. You never know what's going to come up. So, of course, the teacher had no labels in the foods class. So it was very challenging. But because we have a 504 plan, and I reached out to the principal and the learning consultant, right away got rectified. If I did not have a 504 plan, I really would have taken forever. Nothing would have really changed. So things are good now, but um, it was a bit challenging in this class at first. He's been texting me, is this safe? Can I have this? And I'm like, well, is there a label? So it's been, it's been challenging, but um, we're working through it but I do get nervous about the dating and he went to homecoming and I had to go over, you know, he orders when he's with us, but I'm like, he's going to be by himself now. And I want him to speak up. He's with his friends. I want him to say, I have a peanut and a tree nut allergy when the waitress is taking his order. So we had to practice that and go through that and then make sure he has his obby cue. He carries the obby cues. Mm -hmm. So yes, this is, I think the time where it's going to start to get a little bit scarier now. Yeah, no, I look, the whole dating and kissing thing is no joke. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, that, yeah, we could do a whole episode just on that. We should, let's do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I've already told him as he gets older, because I've always felt like teaching him um definitely age appropriate i never wanted to scare him i never wanted him to be afraid to eat food so i always held things back um but now he's at an age now where i feel like um i can start i might have to sit him down we might have to watch some documentaries so i'm just taking it day by day he doesn't have a girlfriend yet um He just went out for the first time for homecoming. But as that increases, I'm probably going to have to start picking up the education with him more on stuff that I didn't really feel comfortable revealing to him in the past. Yeah, no doubt. Let's do an episode on that. I like it. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) Because I got got stories. Uh, All right, so how can people connect with you and find your groups online? 
And in uh, fact, I always say also. just just Google. <laughs> if you Google No Nuts Moms Group, our old name, it usually pops up. Um, also, NNMG Food Allergic Families. I use a free website, so I do Weebly.com. I always hate saying that in there, but it is a free site, so and it's free for everyone. Um, they can also search on Facebook. We're all over on there. They can also and go to FAC's website and pull us up under support groups. Which is F-A-A-C-T dot org. Yeah, uh, food allergic. Uh, I'm sorry. FACT is the food allergy and anaphylaxis connection team. Yes, that's a mouthful, but I got it out. <laughs> Just want people to get that extra A in there. Yes. And then... <laughs> We find ourselves in a position to do two truths and a lie, which I forgot to ask you about in the pre-show. So my favorite little torture game to end all of our episodes, three facts about yourself in no particular order, and do not tell us the answer. Okay. One that's not true, obviously, because, you know, okay. truths and a lie. Yeah, this is kind of hard. Okay. One of my favorite types of food is Chinese. I'm allergic to cats. And I'm the youngest of six children. I like it. I like it. I don't even have a guess. <laughs> Lisa Rudder, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm very grateful for the work that you do. Keep it up. Let's do another episode on dating teenage and otherwise. And yes. uh, thank you for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. Listeners, as always, thank you so much for sticking around. This has been the Shandyland podcast and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>